Hello and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton, and with me today is Chit, just Jeff. <laughs> Hello. And and John. Hey, it's me. I'm here. Sorry, I did the mental thing where I went through as like, okay, who's alphabetically first? And I was like, oh no, it's two J names. I can't just do the first letter. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, compounding our error, we are continuing with our new spotlight topic first segment, followed by uh, what you're watching or just general um, personal interest topics after the break. And for the beginning, uh, we are going to be talking uh, about our. Uh, I wrote this as a joke, and of course, I am just too funny for my own good. So I have to actually look up what it was. Uh, is it a problem that so many anime are about young boys who are loners, but secretly cool and talented and girls like them? No. Next question. Duncan, who's <laughs> Duncan, who is not here, uh, wants us to wants us to parse this from just what's up with harem anime, uh, which I think we could easily slide into. Uh, but but yeah. Uh, is it a problem that so many anime are about young boys who are loners but secretly cool and talented and girls like them? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you want to go into that, John? No, I just was countering Jeff. No. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, well, as the as the podcast's adult, uh, I'll go ahead That's true. And... That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll go ahead and say that I've thought about this uh, when I was trying to look at anime that are kind of of the sub Haruhi genre about like a lonely bored guy who meets a cool girl or a bunch of cool girls um and despite being kind of a drag or a jerk or a bore um ends up a vital part of their friendship circle and maybe some of them even fall in love with him uh and actually maybe his lonerness or his general unsociability uh are actually in the case of, say, uh, uh, my teenage romantic comedy snap, were actually superpowers, <laughs> or are they superpowers? As I'm sure Jeff would love to love to explore. So yeah, why why does why potato coon? Why does anime potato coon? <laughs> why potato coon? Um, <laughs> why does anime have these boring cipher dudes, especially in high school anime, especially in harem anime, and and I don't know, just like theories, talk about shows that do it right, do it wrong, subvert it, try to subvert it and fail. That was kind of what I was thinking about for this topic. So uh, who wants to start off? <laughs> well, I mean, we can start off just, you know, should we just start directly into cynicism and just say that's because... Do you have optimism? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's cynicism, not pessimism, but... The no, because the, I mean, the answer is sort of capitalism. You know, who is buying stuff? Who wants to project themselves into these characters? And eh, it's a guy who would think it was pretty cool. A bunch of nice girls with varying tropes that they recognized suddenly found them interesting. And then maybe, hey, your weird interests and predilections are cool, actually, and make everybody happy. <laughs> You just need to find the right people to appreciate you. Yeah. It's very, it's a very, it's kind of an insulty sort of. Oh boy. Sort of. I'm, <laughs> I'm not wrong. Kind of not, not wrong though. But, <laughs> well, because I was going to bring up later the, the like, uh, E-Virus on Karma Burn always jokes about the otaku virtues, uh, which are, 
which are celibacy, gynophobia, and miscommunication. Um, so, <laughs> so it's it. I feel like a lot of anime that are of this this kind of nebulous subgenre uh, do have like don't like don't say what you're thinking. Women are terrifying, or at least need to be avoided, and kissing or even holding hands is wrong as i'm sure we'll get into with jeff's what you're watching later uh but but yeah i like it's very it does feel kind of cynically just like a plot device for reassuring 14 and 15 year old boys that it's not weird that they don't have any friends let alone any girls in their life Mm -hmm. um that's my that's my peak cynicism um i feel like it was although i think it was originally I mean, I can't say this for certain, but it feels like uh, it was supposed to be empowering in a way at first. Like, hey, here, you can do this too. But over time, it's just become such the norm that, uh, yeah, it's just kind of sad, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> like this idea that you can be a, a nobody, but everyone will love you is like, it's not real. <laughs> you got to have a personality. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I think it's sad. But it also uh, makes for some fun shows, so you know, especially the ones that make fun of that group. I mean, I, that that's the thing is, I I think like being a useless dumbass who everyone inexplicably likes, I enjoy it a lot more when it's a when it's a female character. Like I put I put on my like I have a list and it's got two columns which are harems and reverse harems and subversions, uh, and under reverse harems and subversions, I'm thinking of like Baccarina, where she's a dumbass. And kind of useless, but everyone likes her. Or Little Witch Academia, which doesn't even have like a real romance option. But Akko is the dumbest motherfucker in that school. <laughs> and she's got, and sure, in this she's saved by like a special destiny. Um, well, I think, but in, it is just in Bacarina, Like, go it, ahead. I wouldn't say it's a like a reverse or subversion or anything. It's just like, I mean, I guess it sort of is, but it's not just that she's a dumbass. It's also that she's really nice and like cares about yeah. people like that's what makes her popular not that she's ignorant or so stupid. it's not incel it's nice guy stuff, <laughs> is what you're saying um or but like even like nice i even guy. was thinking about yeah actually nice guy. <laughs> yeah uh or even just like uh and yet the town moves where uh where what's her face is so like she's like so dumb and unpleasant but they actually make jokes about how she's difficult to be friends with and and only has a few actual good abilities mm-hmm, yeah yeah. And also, you know, to be slightly less cynical, almost every show at some point confronts the idea that, hey, this guy's kind of a shithead and the, you know, you know, the rising action of the show is usually him being less and less of a shithead. And I, yeah. like the high concept is basically that anybody would be interested in him in the first place. You know, usually there's some kind of like, you know, like in Snafu, you know, a teacher just sticks him in a group with some other people and says, you're now going to, you know, be friends with them or else I'm going to, like, fail you or something like that. Or Hog and I were, you know, they just, like, these seven people are all, like, we all, you know, none of us have friends, so we're going to have a club to learn how to make friends. And then that becomes, <laughs> you know, like, it, there's usually, like, like that is... But you can but you can never but you can never admit it or it ruins the premise yeah. in, in Hog and I's case, so... And, yeah, so like you know, the fact that you know this this formula of show is so popular is because you know it it gives you that sort of uh, 
what's the word that like vicarious sense that like you know i've projected myself into this person and then that person grew and had 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 fun and made friends and therefore i had grew and had fun and made friends and you know it's and so like you know maybe you know maybe it's like problematic in that people sort of projected themselves into that and then never do it for themselves but there's there's few and far between where like the main character who sucks just continues to suck forever and is rewarded for it <laughs> like i can think of like well i was like, like I was thinking... is the only one that really leaps to mind where kazuma really never gets better and is just perpetually stuck in the same mindset that he had coming in and just is consistently rewarded for it for no apparent reason because everybody else is we're just told everybody else around him sucks too <laughs> Yeah. I mean, if I were to suggest anything, it would be like in a certain magical index where Toma sucks, but but unfortunately the people making that show don't don't know that Toma <laughs> sucks hard. And and so it it comes to the same thing. I was thinking though, um, about Golden Time, where where uh the main character is a very like cool, nice guy because he's got amnesia, and then we get the infamous intrusion spoilers, I guess, if you haven't listened to our podcast, like five times I've talked about golden time, <laughs> uh, but he has like, he has the ghostly personification of his old, like whiny, shitty entitled personality who literally haunts him and tries to kill him at several points in time. And I think that's a good way to be like, this guy used to suck and we're going to keep like his suckiness at the forefront of the plot but he's not like he's not going to yeah he's not going to suck actually when he's doing shit we just are going to have this way of reminding you that he's that he sucked and that he's unpleasant mm -hmm. um i also wanted to mention speaking of things i've brought up way too many times i was going to bring up psychano as a sort of like the inciting incident of he he's like an awkward nerd who really wants to make his perfect uh dating sim and it's like that passion is what drives him to to bring all of these girls together um even though and they all love him from childhood incidents or previous <laughs> incidents um but he's actually not not very nice to them and is in fact kind of a kind of a miserable person to work under as a boss uh throughout the show uh because because he's got this uncompromising vision so that's also a way that you can kind of deal with the tension between we don't want to watch an anime about a, a mean protagonist <laughs> Uh, at least at least most of the time, especially not a harem anime about a mean person who gets a bunch of friends and gets to date a hot girl uh, or guy. But uh, but yeah, working through that tension, I think that it's it's always something that a show has to ask itself about. Like, what is what is Kion's deal? How can we have him be like the sarcastic, quippy, lazy dude while not just shutting down all the fun stuff that actually happens in the melancholy of Rizumia, so to speak? And of course, Konosuba does it because they're poor as fuck and they're desperate to like get anything done. And therefore, it's fine that that Kazuma is just continually useless and unpleasant to be around. But mm -hmm. yeah, and even like later in the in the books where they're all like you know rich as hell and world famous, Kazuma still sucks. And like most of the book is him just like you know doing the. Uh, you know, refusing the call to action thing from the the hero's journey 
for you know the entire book until you know he thinks he's got an angle where he doesn't have to worry about it and then of course he does have to worry and mm-hmm. and you brought up golden time for a second i thought you were gonna bring up golden boy which is another <laughs> <laughs> show about golden boy he but i thought yeah. about golden boy but i don't think it really applies because he is i don't know oh no john's john's gonna defend golden boy i don't know i won't defend golden boy i just don't think he's the loser type also he's in college though does it count you know what i mean because we, we dropped out of college yeah. at the very last moment yeah. after completing all degree requirements so yeah. you know that he's not stupid yeah so <laughs> also he's an expert programmer or whatever and also everything else yeah he's real good at writing well, he has to help these women he loves these women he loves all women. It's very, it's a very weird. Sh- it, you can tell that it's from before the full codification of of harem tropes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that he's just kind of it's just like a wandering, like it's the same thing. It's it's a what's the uh, what's the sh- the uh, is it Tarasan? I'm trying to remember. It's the the movie series. It's like the longest running. Oh, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. We've talked about it before, but there's like there's like 60 movies and he comes into town and he falls in love with a girl and then realizes she's in love with someone else and hooks them up together and then leaves being like, man, I can never get lucky in love. It's the, the Yoshi Yamada who directed the uh, the Torasan um, from from 1969 uh, until um, 1996 and then someone else took over. Yeah, 48 Torasan films. <laughs> wow. We should watch all of them for this podcast. <laughs> no, I no? should I, The people have done rewatch things. I, I'll see if I can find one for the show notes, but if I haven't, it's because I couldn't. Um, and they're just like, they're the same movie, just in a different locale with a different act, actress you're supposed to recognize and get excited to see her. That's, yeah. that's what it is. <laughs> kind of so, It's, I mean... Japan loves those long-running series a lot more than than we do. Although media tastes are changing, so yeah, well, I mean, we just like to make the same say. movie with different characters. We don't have the same character <laughs> as well. <laughs> we have an endless like appetite for Marvel movies, and it's not like they're they're all breaking the ground. No matter how much their different yeah, marketing departments although... are telling us. I can't tell if there hasn't been a Marvel movie in a long time, or it's just quarantine time affecting my perception (laughs) so um so yeah well i was going to talk about some other like uh some other genres like mecha anime often play with like the useless loser who's surrounded by cool and uber competent people in the case of neon genesis evangelion surrounded by two talented girls and he's the fuck up who wants to quit Mm -hmm. uh and then that quickly reverses itself and then reverses itself again um but there's a lot of i don't know i think that there's a lot of shows especially in the gundam franchise about people who or or a martian successor nadesco about people who are like anxious to get in the robot even though it's like maybe even genetically their like best skill uh, so there is this kind of idea of of shunning competency, even in other genres that may have some small harem elements, but aren't certainly aren't just Haggadai, Snafu, those sort of things. Mm-hmm. Saikano. Yeah, I I think you like you've brought it up before that in anime there seems to be more of an appetite for the incompetent hero who's kind of a dirtbag, just mm-hmm. as 
you know, as an expectation above and beyond. Because like, like you usually get there's like there's usually two flavors. You either have like the perfect badass, like you know Kenshiro or something, where it's just an ever escalating series of him being more powerful and more competent than everybody around him, or it's just you know a total goof off dirtbag who, you know, who always comes through in the end, but the whole series is just them bumbling and goofing until it matters, like you know. Like a Naruto, or <laughs> to a certain extent, yeah, like, I, I was uh, like uh, Goku. Though I guess you know he's probably more of a, a Kenshiro. I was going to wonder if maybe that's just a general trope from shonen shows that colonized uh, harem anime. But like one of the earliest harem anime uh, is Love Hina, and they lean really heavily on him just being clumsy and a fuck up to excuse why he's constantly walking in on women changing or constantly accidentally like falling into their into their cleavage um i i I do wonder if if being a useless dumbass uh is is foundational to the harem genre and then that got spread out from being a useless dumbass around women to being to being like an antisocial loser or an incompetent loser just generally in your high school setting uh i i would have to do a, a lot more of a longitudinal study of of those things to really to really uh say for sure but that's something that i definitely reacted to i don't know if i've ever actually seen love you know does, does that show actually go anywhere it's it? not it's not worth it don't watch it nah, yeah, I, no yeah okay it's it's a lot i mean if if you like will they won't they in harem settings Le, go watch Lavina. Otherwise, it's not. No, is, you shouldn't. Is it just it. one of those shows where it's just the same episode over and over again with slightly different settings, or does it actually have like an overarching mm. plot? Well, like he's running a bathhouse uh, with his aunt, um, who of course is like thirty and therefore extremely sensitive to being called old woman because that's <laughs> that joke over and over again, um, and just people come to stay at the bathhouse. And all of them eventually get a crush on him because he's honest and hardworking. And but there's it's it's very it's very strongly first girl in, in that they never really entertain that he's going to end up with anybody but um, the girl. I can't even remember what her relationship is with him. Gina, uh, I've <laughs> tried my best to block out love. Gina, probably cousin because uh, that's you know. I don't think it's actually cousin. That, that's 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 what John. Uh, normal in anime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Keitaro is the main character. He's a he's a a second year Ronin trying to study uh, to enter Tokyo university. Um, he's staying at the bathhouse and he has a faint memory of a childhood promise uh, about marrying, marrying this girl he knew as a kid, if they both get into Tokyo university. Um, and then Naru is the girl who does it. She, it's fine. I mean, <laughs> if, if you're, if you're trying to find ways to use up your limited time on this earth, then, sure but no there's so much other higher quality garbage to watch instead <laughs> it does do the it does do the nisekoi thing where there are multiple girls who are trying to get into tokyo university because of a, of a half-remembered childhood promise <laughs> and so it's like which one is it but it's the first one he met of course i mean i know that andy shot me down last episode for like it's not always the first girl rule but this is a very strong 99.9 percent of the time yeah 
Um, so no, don't don't bother with Love Hina unless you just really like Harem anime. And in which case, there are other ones that are just as good or better. Uh, but it's also it's if you just, really like beloved. Harem anime, I think you're a little suspect. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, calling people out. Yes. But yeah, this is uh, this, the anime came out in 2000, and it was just. It's the sort of thing where any mildly successful anime that came out in 2000 just became part of the zeitgeist, no matter what its quality was. Mm-hmm. Case in point, uh, Outlaw Star. <laughs> but um, Outlaw Star's good. Shut up. When was the last time you watched it? Uh, a couple of years ago. Really? Mm. Huh. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it's good. Mm. Just because it's not perfect doesn't mean it's not good. I don't know. Reminded that Ben also (laughs) hates Cowboy Bebop every time we bring it up. I don't hate Cowboy Bebop. I think it's it's aged less well than people say it does. I think people are looking uh, at listeners, but his face is just a big word that says (laughs) L-I-E. Doesn't make sense. You're lying. Okay. You're lying is what I'm saying. Well, what else then? Um, does anyone else have any other shows they want to l- mention as being particularly good subversions or particularly blatant, uh, blatant fulfillments? Like I'm thinking of the Seto Kaino Ichizon and Seto Kayuku and Domo, which are both student council based sex comedies where he's the one guy on there and he's just kind of nice and well-meaning and pretty harmless. And so the women like take, take advantage of him to constantly like involve him in sex jokes. Uh, and that's, that's kind of. Another thing of like, wow, how lucky to be the only guy on the student council and all the girls think it's like hilarious and funny to tease you and keep you around and make sexual advances at you, which they know that you'll turn down because you're nice. Uh, so. Is that? I don't know. Okay. I've never. Yeah. I've definitely never heard of this show. Like that, uh, that sounds like a, like a, kind of a weird... I have, I've brought up Sedokai Yaku and Domo all the time and you would love it, Jeff. <laughs> uh, I don't mean that as a slight against you. But it's one of it's when I was watching uh, my girlfriend is show bitch. All I could think of was like I this, they they did this joke on Sadakayuku and Domo and it was better and I didn't feel like a creepy perv for watching it. Then <laughs> um, they've also got like a lot of good jokes about how Suzu uh, the treasurer is short and so often they'll have a scene that's just like the main guy and the other two student council girls and then there'll just be an arrow that says like Suzu down here and it goes below the frame so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you would like it. All right, I'm in. Uh, Seto Zone has a lot more ugly art and is generally dependent on very occurrent pop culture jokes that are probably not funny anymore, but <laughs> it was very funny at the time. Um, if you want a time capsule that also involves a student council guy getting elected and there's girls there who think it's funny to like pretend to want to fuck him or maybe actually want to fuck him you know just keep it spicy (laughs) yeah i I would be (sighs) remiss not to bring up uh monogatari the the fans of bo race yeah i was surprised we waited so long the and and you know and it follows like it follows all the rules because like nisio eason is the master of like following the rules but then doing something interesting with them so like you know he gets together with senju gahara and then they just like have a relationship for the rest of the series, you know, despite other people sort of like, you know, also wanting to have that. But it's like, nope, he's just, they have a <laughs> their boyfriend and girlfriend. That's just the rest of the show now. You know, sure, Hanakawa likes them. And sure, there's like endless, you know, sexual, like, 
back and forth with him and uh, Ken Baru, but nothing ever comes of it. And they just, you know, have and extended jokes about his like Wally Harum who follow Yatsky. him around, who all happen to be ghosts or demons, so it's fine. <laughs> I don't think I agree yeah. that this uh, fits the category because he's not really a loser. I mean, he's a pervert, the, but like the whole. I mean, he. I mean, like, the, the, like <laughs> go the, ahead, he, Jeff. He starts from a per- from a place of I am alone because having friends makes you less of a human. And he slowly. Yeah, he's got a whole. He's got a whole speech about how he doesn't how he doesn't have friends because it makes him stronger not to have friends, which is a fucking shonen battler anime villain thing to say. That is yeah. that is um, explicitly antisocial, but I don't think it fit with the. I mean, I guess could argue it's just the version because well, he's also like he's saying, got like but... bad grades and he's like a washout at his like elite school and his like family are all like you know either yeah but he's ashamed of him or hate him. vampire like he's never unconfident he's never you know what i mean like well, he, he doesn't he the show. present himself <laughs> he doesn't present himself as a loser he just doesn't want to do things. There's, that's the difference between I think him I, and a lot I, of other. I don't. I don't know. I, I think that that Nisio Eason manages to get it both ways by having by having Araragi's loserdom be like the the most obvious expression of Araragi's loserdom be solidly in the past and self reported by Araragi himself. Mm-hmm. We see him as as you said, John, a powerful half vampire who tries to save all the girls. And as I've said in the past, eventually. The girls stop telling him when they need saving because he just won't leave them alone with, <laughs> with his like self-sacrificing bullshit. But, but he does talk constantly. And this was something that really struck me when I did the rewatch for the podcast. Uh, he does talk constantly about how, about how he used to be a loser with no friends until he met all these girls. And so we're constantly, it's almost, it's the better form of ghost bonnery. Uh, following him around <laughs> and being like, I used to suck. <laughs> um so <laughs> you wouldn't want to be friends with me if you knew me before all these hot girls knew me. Yeah. Well, that's just because nobody and saw one him. One of them with... stepped on my face. It's hot. Yeah. Nobody saw him with his shirt off in Kizu. That's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's also something that's a bit of a cheat too, but Nisu Eason likes to cheat. Is so. it a cheat or is it hot? <laughs> it's a hot cheat. It's a chat. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh so hard. I hate you. <laughs> uh portmanteaus are my main form of humor if you haven't noticed over the past uh 70 episodes of podcast <laughs> jesus christ <sighs> okay well do we want to call it there we don't want to go too much into just harem anime qua harem anime mm-hmm. because then duncan will be very upset oh uh one last question duncan sent in he's he's studying for uh some sort of certification thing i'm not a very good friend i didn't listen <laughs> uh is that uh, he said? Is it is it a problem because there's so many, or are individually these kind of shows problematic? That'll be our that'll be our our answer to the question that was posed in the beginning. Uh, the question, of course, uh, being: Is it a problem that so many anime are about young boys who are loners but secretly cool and talented, and girls like them? Yes, it is a problem because it's ubiquitous. If it wasn't yeah. ubiquitous, but if it wasn't, it, it would just be like one or two. I don't know, every year maybe. Like that's not a big problem. You'd feel about it the way you feel about the like interspecies, inter, in, like was it interspecies inspectors? The thing that Andy tried to watch and then it was inter- too perverted and got taken off TV. Yeah. Interspecies reviewer, yeah, 
Oh God. I oh that I thought of... <laughs> we never talked about it. It feels really weird that Andy was like, "This is the most disgusting thing I've seen," and we're like, "Andy's saying that." Yeah. And then I saw some clip of it like after it got chopped off because you know obviously they kept subbing it, fan subbing it or whatever, and it is literally porn. Yeah, there's. I don't know how porn. Funimation ever thought it was like, oh, this will be fine. <laughs> it is literally <laughs> porn. There's a there's a scene where like, uh dude's getting fucked by a slime girl or maybe the other way around and it is just explicit. It's explicit it. yeah i mean to be fair on like for funimation the manga that it's based on is basically just like a four coma gag manga and there's it's not explicit hardly at all and so they probably looked at that <laughs> and were like oh, okay this should be fine and then you know the nisio eason adaptation rule came in and it's like no we actually have to like fill 30 minutes with this joke that they're telling <laughs> and now it's become an indictment I mean, I'll be honest. I don't. I don't know if it, it's actually a problem or not. I haven't seen it, and I never will. But man, it is explicit. It's porn. I, it's just still baffling to me that it happened. Yeah. It just. It is what it is. And I maybe if it was your job to like watch every show, and I guess it kind of is, but we're just like derelict in our duty. Nobody's paying us to do this. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm not watching every show. Sorry, not, not no. even close. I try, but then I die. <laughs> And then you cry. I think every now and then, like a good one comes along, but I mean, you know, it's it's Sturgeon's law. You know, since we're like, this is you know, we just have nothing but laws. You know, ninety percent of everything is crap, and so yeah, like ninety percent of all harem anime is going to be crap too. But you know, there's a couple of good ones. Mm -hmm. But like, I mean, I think that when when these come along and the protagonist is a real person rather than this kind of loner cipher who is just generally lifted up by the people around him. Uh, I think it's generally a better show. Mm -hmm. I think that Monogatari series is a better, sh despite how how odious Araki is at times. Yeah. It's a better show that he's a person with real, with real a real personality and real desires, even if they are largely negative. Than for just him to be. I mean, I love Haruhi, but Kion's best mo Kion's best moment. I honestly think is when uh, he's trying to like stop. Spoilers for the end of the first seasons of Haruhi Suzumi. I just skip ahead like 30 seconds. When he's trying to stop like Haruhi from destroying the world, and he's like, when you wore your hair in that ponytail, it was it was hot as hell. I found it so hot. And it's just like, oh hey, Kion, who's never expressed a, an opinion besides not wanting to do something <laughs> and also liking Asahina's boobs. Yeah. Um those were his only two opinions. And so just to have him just uh, produce a third opinion is like it helps me connect more to a character for them, for them to have more of an opinion than for them to have less of a personality. And it kind of bugs me that anime loves the cypher so much, loves the dude who never really accomplished anything in his first life. And then he gets reincarnated in an isekai and just gets to become a new person from scratch. Mm -hmm. No, I want them to like carry over baggage from their past life. And the better ones do that. Even slime, even slime does that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like uh, silence. Am I wrong? Did, does not slime not do that? Have I? Have I? It. I don't know about uh, go, go. slime. Does it really? I can't remember it actually doing that. Like, I don't know. It's been a while. Whatever. Hello. Maybe, friends. maybe, maybe you've invented a better, more involved version of slime than, uh, of that time it got reincarnated as a slime than actually happened. But no, like I, I think that the fact that 
I mean, I think why you like Kazuma, even though he is even worse than Aragi, is that he has he has a very outsized personality. Um, and he's very entitled and he has opinions, many of them fundamentally wrong and an unfortunate few, uh, basically right mm-hmm. <laughs> that, uh, that, yeah, I, I get more attracted to that. And so if I were to say it's a problem, it's a problem only because like the loner loser, who's actually like super smart and talented encourages boring characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would rather, I would rather see more variation than less potatoes. <laughs> yep, can't argue with that. Do you, do you think that, because like in the West at least, like there's always been a problem in video games with like silent protagonists. Arguably, it's not a problem. It depends on what you want, but silent protagonists exist <laughs> for the player to be that character, right? Like instead of yeah, is that as much of a problem as a uh, loser protagonist in uh, anime? Because I mean, they're kind of similar, I think. I do, but like, you don't get to control what they what they do in an anime. At the very least, if you want them to be something, you can do it. And I think, I think like, I mean, I when the Witcher games were in vogue, I was kind of like, oh, I don't want to play this like weird, gruff albino weirdo. Um, but like, how dare you? I no, precisely. I think like I like I am more attached to Geralt than I am to like any one of my Baldur's Gate 2 characters. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and not just because I gave them stupid names because I was 13. Um, but but yeah, I like I think we our brains are set up to remember people. And so while an emotional con- connection is easier with a cipher character, um, I think that like a memory-based connection, an intellectual connection um, that's more lasting and oftentimes more affecting tends to happen because they're, they're a real person separate from us. Otherwise we just tend to sublimate what that character must be thinking into what we're thinking as gamers or as watchers of TV. Uh, and therefore we like less of that gets like internalized and encoded into memory. That's, that's a completely off the hip, <laughs> off the hip thought. Sorry. Mm. Uh, yeah, and, and I think, like you were saying, like, especially with narrative games like The Witcher, and I mean, with anime, which is nothing but narrative, that if you have somebody <laughs> who's just fundamentally not a character, it's going to take away from it, no matter how much, you know, vicarious pleasure you get from being able to cast yourself as the as the protagonist. And actually, talking about video games, I wonder how much of it carries over from gal games. Like, were they as big of a thing before harem anime existed or you know what preceded what because in gal games you are just quite literally like a nameless faceless voiceless protagonist who's you know Mm -hmm. basically going through a checklist of every like female character in the game and you know how many of them end up being adaptations of that and then as a result potato coon is a potato he's you know basically only the sum total of his decisions and conversation trees there is no inherent quality to him he could be a completely different person if someone else plays it i have never heard the term gal game for those did not know that was a thing well it's like because there because there's like otome uh games which are like you may you may have you may have heard gal gay i don't know about that (laughs) 
no, it's it's definitely a thing. You're just you're just not as big of an anime fan, unfortunately. That's fine so. with me if I don't know how to do that stuff. <laughs> uh, it looks like the first uh, the first Galge was Nightlife by Koei in 1982. Okay. So it it, it proceeds like the popularization of 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 a uh, harem anime, although maybe not the popular popularization of uh of uh harems and manga although tokimeki memorial in 1994 is where that this structure of game really started to take off so so yeah in the 90s and then canon then visual arts key started releasing stuff uh in the late 90s mm-hmm. and so that's the that's the high point the the, the genre fell into the genre fell into a recession um because of uh, <laughs> because of the uh, otaku murderer of course uh unfortunately um he he stopped anything that was in his apartment when they arrested him basically experienced like a half decade of unpopularity because of that Hmm. so that's yeah moral panics you know yeah Uh, dungeons and dragons makes you worship the devil (laughs) etc yep Mm mm-hmm if only. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> worship whoever you want to worship. We we embrace all faiths here at Keyframes. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> on that note, uh, do we want to take a break and then come back to talk about what we're watching? Sounds great. Sounds awesome. Sounds like it's happening. So uh, I'm talking about Durarara. Uh, Jeff's talking about Chutukoi or Love Chunibyo and Other Delusions, season one. I have a hot take and... about that localization. Can't believe I have to listen to somebody talk about in this the year 2020. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm really disappointed in you, Jeff. And we're back for the second half. I fucked that up. <laughs> and we're back for the second half we are going to talk about the shows we're watching as we always do now and forever uh i think for starters this got cut out of the previous episode so if i am not as shocked and horrified as it sounds like <laughs> i should be then you can just know that i meant uh that i that i meant it two weeks ago and now i've you know reached a different stage of uh maslow maslow's hierarchy of needs and the grief pyramid and all that stuff <laughs> uh so jeff has watched uh love chunibyo and other delusions often abbreviated abbreviated as chutukoi yep i sure have every now and then i'll start watching a show sort of as a joke because of how much you guys hate it <laughs> and frequently i will end up liking that show more than i expected and Chutukoi is, I'm not going to say that I love it because I'm probably not ever going to go back to <laughs> it. Cause like I watched the first, the, the first half of it, the, the first season and stopping there. It's like, okay, this is like not the worst show I've ever seen. Like I get, I get the sense that it just kind of like enters into stasis forever and just wallows in yep. the weird situation that they've created permanently. Yeah, I. Well, let's go ahead and explain the premise because it's probably been a while since we've, yeah, since we've talked, acknowledged the existence of, of Chutukoi. So so and 
Sorry, there's just like crashing and banging in my house, and I don't know why. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, so love Chudibyo and other delusions. Uh, the basic premise is that uh, a high school kid has transferred, like it's his first year of like actual high school after middle school. He's intentionally enrolled in a school that's like far away from his middle school because he had spent his entire middle school years in the throes of Chunibyo syndrome, which is, you know, an apparently well-known condition where somebody just gets way too into their own brand of power fantasy and acting like a superhero in real life. And then, you know, the fever breaks and they just, you know, cringe at everything they've ever done for the last several years. And so he's trying to start his life over as just, you know, a normal guy. And... You know, of course, he happens to run into a girl who is also deep in her own bullshit, who re- recognizes him from his time as a Chunibyo and latches onto him and makes him start a club and makes him do activities, which he, of course, hates, but also, you know, can't imagine not doing it because they fall in love and blah, blah, blah. And eventually they get to, you know, why is this girl a Chunibyo? And they you know they try to like you know cure her awkward weirdness and then you know at the end of the first season they sort of do it but then sort of renege on that and it's like not nah, actually it's cool to be a chunibyo and now everybody's just going to be cringe forever happily ever after yeah they, <laughs> my 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 dislike with it um is largely that that Rika, the girl, yeah. um, is an annoying baby. <laughs> <laughs> just literally, just like really annoying. And when she's not like raving her her Chunibyo nonsense, she is probably crying or doing some sort of other emotional blackmail uh, to get what's his face. I can't even remember what the what the guy's name is. Uh, um, doesn't matter. To, Another potato. <laughs> potato to get potato to do to do what she wants. And yeah, and just like really blatantly cashing in on the Ayanami Ray from Evangelion <laughs> meets uh, the girl, the main girl from another with her eye patch shit, uh, <laughs> hardcore. I and it, it doesn't go anywhere. Like I, I thought that either he was going to learn to rediscover the value of um, of adolescent delusions. Or she was going to learn that there there are reasons not to hide from the adult world, um, or at least that they were going to fall in love in some way that was more substantive than touching pinkies. <laughs> um, but none of those things happened. It even I, you say that it that it goes into stasis for the second season, which I can attest. Um, they the entire the beginning of the second season starts with her having a dream about getting married to the dude. Uh, that falls apart because she can't um, she can't literally can't fantasize about kissing him it like doesn't work her dream falls apart and she wakes up uh and that's the that's the the tone established for the second season but even in the first season like all the all the activity all the motion is from the secondary characters some of whom are also very annoying like deku mori uh, and some of whom are cool like hair clip cheerleader girl whose name i can't remember yeah uh, uh doesn't matter I guess I can like look it up. We <laughs> can talk in actual terms. Utah is the boy's potato coon. Utah, uh, I know because she goes Utah, <laughs> Utah. And Nibitani <laughs> is the uh, the cheerleader girl who was also Nibitani. trying to like, hide her 
embarrassing past. Yeah, she's an ex Chuni, but she actually has a, a a like. But I don't know. It's hard to tell if Yuta wants to be Chuni again or not, and whether he was forced out of it or what. Um, the the best part of the show in terms of comedy is like his like freak freaked out embarrassment when he's forced to remember something he thought was cool mm-hmm. when he was when he was uh, twelve, uh, and now he's now he's older and like yeah just like goes into full body cool convulsions when he's extremely like, cringy yeah like they they yeah. it does that thing where like, back you know, and forth he, he goes floor. into a, a a flashback and it's just like because like when they when they're you know everybody's in their throes of chunabio it's from their memory of it and so it's like you mm-hmm. know it's actually as cool as they imagine it and then it just smash cuts back to them just like in full body convulsions of how embarrassed they are and how much they hate themselves for having done that and uh, that, yeah. that gag worked on me Which, a bunch of times. And will it work on you for a whole nother season? And that's the only humor. No, no, I'm not going oh, to. I'm not going to watch that it. That and how. <laughs> I think if, I think good. I think well, it's a pretty I need to make sure Jeff. Because I thought I I thought I'd inoculate you against the first season, and that didn't work. So I need to be sure. Um, I want you to have Utah like convulsions when you think about <laughs> when you think about watching this show. Uh, no, like, cause the whole dilemma is that she wants to kiss him and she's trying to get to a point where she can hold his hand, but also he's got like a childhood friend from back home who's also Chunibyo, but is like much more confident and sexy Chunibyo, which is getting into kind of weird, mm-hmm. like you got your, you got your sex lube in my peanut butter sort of situation there. <laughs> uh, <Ew>. but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's it's a very strange thing. And then there's a movie where it shows the first two seasons, but they're all from Rika's point of view with all the like Chunibyo shit happening um, that Yuta can't see because he's not a believer. Uh, I don't know. I, people love Chutuko. There's so much of it. And it was like the studio, the KyoAni was the studio and it was their big moneymaker after, mm-hmm. after uh, Kaon and Tamako Market. Uh, but man, I'm glad it's gone. <laughs> I'm glad it's not dominating the discourse. Um, I, and, and it's like headache inducing OP and everything. So I think the fact that I've watched it now instead of like when it was popular probably inoculated me against what you, you seem to, to think that the show has a lot more bad faith going on where every character is just like a cynical, self-serving baby monster, horrible person. So I think that they're a, they're a mon- they're a, they're an awful baby monster, but yeah, but the, the you know the whole sort of internal dilemma of Rika sort of trying to compartmentalize her guilt for not feeling anything when her father died and sort of oh I forgot I forgot there's a dead dad subplot yeah because like her whole thing <laughs> is that she's like I didn't she's you know she's denying her father's death because she thinks that she can sort of transcend the barrier of reality to see him again. And then the end of the first season is her sort of coming to the terms with the fact that like, no, he's gone forever. And it sort of seems like she's going to let go of her, uh, her delusions at that point. And then she doesn't obviously, because there's a whole other season in an entire movie and like, and more. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess like if, the first season at least sort of had a thesis statement it was that like like fringe is better than trying to be cool and normal which i don't know maybe is more of a groundbreaking statement in a 
in a more, you know, button down culture that values fitting in because, mm. <laughs> but for the most part, like I, 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 I was able to take the show in good faith. And also I'm like, I'm the guy who likes the disappearance of Yuki Nagato. So like, I'm not, you know, I, I, I kind of like the, the saccharine Kyoani bullshit, you know, I have bad except, taste. I like that. Except disappearance of Yuki not, Nagato is not, not Kyoani. It's satellite. Oh, well, I, uh, it's a Haruhi thing. So. Okay, fine. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. I'm here to I'm here to be to be the <laughs> I I, don't, I was gonna say I'm here to be the the studio cop, but uh, all it, cops are bastards. So <laughs> I, I'm here to be the the studio mediator, studio dad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I guess I just have like a soft spot for like sad girls who eventually get better. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, when we go to our group's therapy session after this, we can go ahead and <laughs> dig a bit more into that. Someone posted a tweet um, that was like, the reason that you like the trope of enemies to lovers is because you like the idea of showing some someone the worst parts of you and they fall in love with you anyway. And I was like, oof. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's good. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, um <laughs> Uh, any of the transitions I could do would come off as mean-spirited. Uh, John, you have a show that you love, uh, which doesn't always happen. So tell us about. Um, I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say a certain something bookworm, but no, uh, ascendance of a bookworm, right? Ascendance of a bookworm, yeah. We talked about this a while ago, didn't we? Like, probably literal, I think literally I, a year ago. Yeah, for, during the first season, which the first season was good. I liked it a lot, but it kind of only touches the idea of the class discrepancy and like, you know, nobility versus peasants and all that. Uh, that at the end, is this the third season? It might be the third season. I honestly don't know anymore. I'm going I'll crazy. look it up while you're talking. Yeah. Um, either way, at the end of the previous season, she had just become an apprentice blue robed priest, which means that she had been bumped up to nobility status because nobility are the only ones that are allowed to will wear <clears throat> blue blue robes and this is because she has like this massive pool of mana that for some reason and they need it because they're running out of people with mana so that said it's like the setup um the reason she needed to do this is because she was sick because of the mana and if she couldn't find a way to make it get out of her body she was going to die there was just no way around it and so she really wanted to do this to live and also because they have a library and she loves books man she's a fan of books uh she, her entire like story is driven by her love of books like she wants to read a book but she's too poor and only rich people have books so she's like well can i at least look at a book no you can't because you're too poor uh can i make books well she spends like a long time i think a couple years maybe just a year in work or in the in the story uh trying to make paper and she eventually is able to do that and then what what sorry not not to sorry to be a story about this is it rag paper is that what she's doing or is it actual like papyrus i don't know the science of it but there's like a there's a plant called a okay it's, so it's papyrus not like most most early paper is rag paper where you know like the lint that you get from 
from like washing old rags you can press that on screens and make pa- make paper that way too today i learned um uh sorry <laughs> sorry sorry everybody it's not just uh, papyrus though it's magic papyrus because papyrus uh, i keep saying papyrus and i don't know why i've done that my whole life uh yeah it's like a magic plant that if it gets mana it will grow out of proportion and destroy the forest and there's a whole thing with that where the knights have to like take them down and protect you know the land anyway that's not important none of that is important uh <laughs> to the main reason why i like this show like after she becomes this pseudo noble like obviously the nobles know that she's not a real noble and they treat her like shit as a result um and she finds out there's an orphanage that nobody wants to take care of because oh they're just dirty peasant kids and you know nobles don't have time for that shit so she takes it upon herself to to uh become the orphanage director keep in mind she's also like a young girl so it's kind of funny but like she in her previous life she was i think she was even like in college maybe i she was either high school or college i don't know um i mean that's it, that's a trope in isekais that you get reborn is a little bit younger so that you can get you know you can redo your teens the right way yeah but she's not just Isn't reborn it? she like inhabits the body of an existing person i know there's like there's a weird there's something weird about like the the like ontology and epistemology of of the isekai and the bookworm series i've picked that up yeah uh and for the most part her previous life doesn't affect her you know her new life uh besides Mm -hmm. her desire to read books like that is entirely sourced from her previous life where she was a bookworm uh in the truest sense she fucking was she was like i don't want to eat right now i'm too busy reading etc uh oh dear one of those one of those nerds um she so she becomes the orphanage director she uses the orphans she uses the orphans i I guess it technically is uh to help her make books but you know it it, but they like doing it yeah they like doing it like it's not a exploitative (laughs) thing <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. There's our title. There's not really a good way to explain it, but it doesn't feel malicious. You know, it doesn't feel feel exploitative. She wants them to succeed, and she wants them to become useful because that's the only way that people will care about them. But she also needs them to make books. So you know, uh, between that and the nobles treating her like shit, and then she has to go on this like she has to go off on this expedition with the head priest who is also a knight i guess Uh, the head priest is the only one among the blue robes who actually cares about her and he takes care of her Mm. and supports her and also uh admonishes her when she goes too far or acts like an idiot um but he actually is also upset with the class discrepancy so that's an interesting uh little twist not twist what's the word i don't it doesn't matter uh she doesn't know that yeah wrinkle that's the word uh she doesn't know that but but he is on her side he just knows that it needs to be done more cautiously uh so he's always like trying to hold her back and that's good uh so all of this is why i like it (laughs) because it's actually addressing the class discrepancy instead of just saying hey it exists like they know the show knows that no, no, the nobility as it is at least is trash garbage and she is doing her best to make the world a better place she's she's made books she's almost she hasn't mass produced them but like she's made a lot of books like she made the book specifically for the orphans to read to have a simpler version of what is their equivalent of the bible etc <clears throat> etc et like it all comes 
together really nicely. And then also, uh, when she goes off on that expedition, uh, so at some point, the priest, the head priest, I can't remember either of their names right now, of course, head priest is extremely curious as to why she knows so much, how she comes up with all these great ideas. And like at one point, I think she had told him, well, I just had a dream and it was there and it was blah, blah, blah. But then he, um, he puts a thing on her head and like casts a spell to make her fall asleep, puts a thing on his head and he like, it's like a mind link thing. Uh, he wants to see like what she is, where she's coming from. Is she, cause he's sort of worried that she's bad, you know, like doing something right malicious, <clears throat> but he finds out that she's not. And like, while he's in there, like this is the part that I think also help. This is another part that I think helps separate it from normal isekai is you get to see her, Act like the thing I mentioned earlier where she was reading a book and her mom was like, Hey, come eat dinner. And she's like, no, I'm reading. Like you get to see that scene and hmm. she's devastated by seeing it because she spent like almost all of her life in this world trying to forget it, you know, to just, she doesn't want to think about it because she knows it's sad, uh, but she sees this and it destroys her basically for a little bit. <clears throat> and then the priest is like, all right, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I made you do that. Uh, <laughs> But he also saw like all the like office buildings, like you know, tall city buildings and and technology and all that. And he's like, "Wow, what is this crazy place?" Right. It's like a, it. It must be like a being visited by an extraterrestrial almost, and being able to see how like their future planet looks, their futuristic planet. Yeah, basically. Um, and I really like that moment because it's very. Uh, it does address her previous life and like the the emotions she has about it. Unlike a lot of isekai, I think a lot of isekai just like ah, I'm done with it. Konosuba is done with it. Yeah, yeah. Rezero is done with it. It kind of reminds me of you know what Ben has said about some of the formative isekais, where half the show is about people like being freaked out about being in a new world and wanting to go home. Yeah, yeah. I just I really or like in it. the case of the Twelve Kingdoms, all of the anime is <laughs> for being freaked out and wanting to go home. Yeah, Twelve Kingdoms is good. Everyone watch it. Also, yeah, also Bookworm is good. Everyone should watch it. I like it. I mean, Baccarina was also this season, the first season of Baccarina. <laughs> and then, like, I think it was the third season of Bookworm. Uh, it looks like it's only the second season. So you have the you have a sentence of the Bookworm that aired in, in October 2019. And then the next season aired uh, starting in... Um, I don't know. Who can say? The second season. <laughs> <laughs> um Oh shit! What was I? Oh no, I forgot. What I actually wanted to say there. Mm. Uh, you like it? It's good. I like it. It's good. Everyone watch it, please. Oh, Bacarina was also this season, and people love that, and they're talking about how it's the best isekai. And I can't disagree that it's good, but I think that it is mostly feel good, and it doesn't really say anything. And I think that Bookworm does, and it is not feel good all the time. Sometimes it's feel bad, and. It makes it stronger and better. In fact, Anime News Network has it. It's got a a field for objectionable content, and it says significant objectionable content for for the first season of Bookworm. Is that like a good or bad thing? I don't. Objectionable content is probably a bad thing, unless you're. It's just weird. Unless to... you're really into like being edgy. I I think <laughs> I remember people talking in the first season that that they were like annoyed that it wasn't addressing poor people versus rich people, etc. Mm. That might be it. That might be why that is, but now it does. I mean, I don't know. Is there is there sexual violence being threatened? That's usually what it is. Not at all. Nope. Oh, that's nice for a girl in an isekai <laughs> genre. 
sadly. Yeah, that's a, I guess that's another nice thing. You just don't see that kind of stuff. Like there, there are threatens of threatens, <laughs> threats of violence a little bit from the nobles, but it never amounts to anything except for one guy. And that guy gets head priest is real mad at him. Real mad. So it so it's not feel good, but it's also not like the misery porn subgenre right, of Isakawa. Right. Like, oh look how hard, like rough and hard this this alternative world is. Yeah, it's definitely not that. It's it's you have your happy moments and you have your sad moments and you have her, your moments where she's working real hard and she succeeds or she fails and learns from it. All that stuff. It's I think it's a well rounded show and I think it's it's definitely one of my favorite Isakai. I don't have a rank because that's not something I tend to do, but mm-hmm. it's definitely up there and watch it or don't cool well speaking of well-rounded shows i have another throwback uh is which is that i watched the first eight episodes of of uh, <laughs> uh the year 2010's dara ra ra nice. um from the same light novel author director and scenario author as Bakuna, which is one of our favorites yeah um i don't know why i put this one off oh yeah i do because uh it had all it was i heard that it wasn't done because it has the three sequel series and then the three sequel series took fucking forever to air so i just forgot about it (laughs) um but (laughs) but not entirely forgotten because i started watching it uh at the beginning of this week and i like it a lot i think actually um it has a much less forward momentum than bacchano but it is like a lot more of just kind of an ecosystem or a community of of people interacting and all that mm-hmm. uh it takes place takes place in um i'm gonna fuck this up and then john will make fun of me uh ikebukuro that's it uh which is a uh, a very bustling neighborhood of of tokyo and it deals with these different characters who are all involved in their own little stories um but that a lot of them know each other and so you kind of each episode jumps between these different people and the stories and how they interact we have this this young boy who uh has moved to the city um and is now going to school in ikebukuro and he's met this girl that he used to have a thing for and he's they kind have of a, kind of a thing going on he's kind of a sad loner by the way kind of fits the yeah he, he is a bit he's a bit of a sad loner um but he has a personality too because like mm-hmm. there's one point actually where she's talking about how she used to have this like really vivacious friend um and now that friend's disappeared which is another which is another one of the stories mm-hmm. and she's like so i just i'm trying to be more outgoing um to fill up her space and he's like that's stupid you should do it for your own reasons and it's like very rare that you have that character be like i think you're wrong mm-hmm. i think your reasons for doing this are wrong and if you're going to do it you should do it you should be honest and do it for reasons for yourself so that was great um there's also like a weird like aftermath of a gang war and there's a mysterious online only gang called the dollars uh that are that are filling up and there's a series of kidnappings of largely immigrants and runaways for like a weird drug testing company and the dollars who are a a few people that are known by one of the by the uh one of the kids that i just mentioned um are trying to fight it and there's also a a Dullahan, an Irish headless monster that's lost her head and she like rides around on a motorcycle trying to find it because she's convinced it's got all her lost memories inside of it. And she's friends with a with a really strong guy in a bartender uniform who love does debt collection. <laughs> uh, of course you love him, John. Are He's you so kidding? good. <laughs> uh, I like that when he, he... So his story is about how he like 
he has like a, had a rage problem. And so he just would continually like try to throw things at people and would just destroy his body over and over and getting <laughs> into these huge, huge fights and eventually just became really strong, which is something that apparently works in anime and not in the real world. Um, but, uh, but he's telling this whole story about how like, he's like, I don't like violence. I don't want to get angry like this, but it's, it's how I'm made. And I, I like, I have to make a living and I know I'm letting my brother, who I, my younger brother, who's a movie star, who I like a lot down, but it's just me. And then it cuts away, and the whole narration has been him talking with Kelty, the, the, the headless motorcyclist. And she's like, yeah, that sucks. I get you. That's why we hang out. Like, we, we're, we're both, we both feel like we're on the wrong path. And it's, like, nice, like, oh, hey, these two characters who both seem, like, really austere and unfriendly are just actually really good friends. It's the... I always think of it as the Deadwood effect where you're like, hey, these two characters we've never seen before. Are they friends? Are they enemies? And you get to watch them interact and you're like, oh, hey, they get Mm -hmm. along. So it's been very nice just in terms of like watching them build this community. I'm not I've got some inklings about the more supernatural aspects and also like the more conspiracy theory based aspects that don't really excite me. Uh, But I'm sure that they'll go someplace fun. And in the meantime, I like all the characters, the music slaps both the op and the ed are oh yeah are, yes. are good good songs uh and i'm actually i'm doing the thing that i think we've all been where you really like the op and you know that once you hit 12 episodes it's going to switch over to a different op that is probably not going to be as good and you're just like well shit i guess i gotta enjoy it while it lasts uh but uh but no i've i've liked it a lot and i i like that it has a lot of foreigners and there's a black guy who's not great, but he's not openly racist as a depiction. Um, I was ta- I was mentioning to my girlfriend when I was watching an episode this morning. I was like, man, they're really into how dumb Americans sound speaking Japanese. Where it's just like, I think the Konichiwa. black guy is actually Russian. Yeah, he is. Interesting. But but they're but they're just using. I think they're just using a. They're using the stock like English speaker speaking Japanese Probably, accent. Yeah. Um, although I do understand that Russian and Japanese are very hard for native speakers of the other to speak, uh, without a very thick accent. Um, so, which is something that came up with a uh, girls in Panzer, how like they had this one for the Russian team, they had this one, uh, this one, uh, voice actress who grew up bilingual, bilingual Russian and Japanese. And so she's very sought after as like one of the few voice actors who doesn't, sound like Kaji in Evangelion when she's trying to speak another language. Uh, so, but no, I mean, I'm enjoying it. I, I, I don't know how I feel about this sort of like weird exaltation of like certain neighborhoods of Tokyo as these like nexuses of just like interpersonal conflict or supernatural stuff. I think that's very, it feels very old fashioned to me now. Um, but I do like this idea that when we get a different viewpoint character, um, invariably there's a diagnosis of what Ibaku- Ibaku- Ikebukuro <laughs> is about um, and like what like what its specific sickness is and whether it's like headed for ruin or headed for glory. I do think it's very interesting that we have the the neighborhood itself as a static character and by having this large cast, all of whom are getting chances to be to be narrators, we're finding out that like how how Ikebukuro is is means different things to different people and is in some ways is of in some to some of them is of incredible importance and to others of them uh it's just a thing it's just a place where stuff happens like how angry um uh what's his name 
Heiwa Jima, the, uh, the, the really strong guy, um, how he like, it's really important that he kicks this like gangster guy, uh, out of, out of the town. And like his whole inciting incident for the show is that the guy's back in town. And he's like, I told you to get out of here. He like throws a vending machine at him. You're talking about Uzziah? And the guy with yeah, the knife. Uzziah. Oh, he's my favorite. Yeah. Too. I have many favorites, but he's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just like a guy with a knife kind of, it's like, I don't really know his personality besides like sinister has a knife. That's all. <laughs> yeah. You'll see eventually. I will. He's also I mean, voiced by uh, Hiroshi Kamiya in case you were wondering. Oh, well that'll get Jeff to watch it at least. <laughs> I've, um, I've been over here making lots of like agreement noises because I did watch this like 10 years ago. And I, <laughs> I recognize, I remember very little of it. You're always a good hype man for me, Jeff. You're always giving agreeable noises. <laughs> yeah. um, it's what I appreciate about having you on my podcast. <laughs> but, uh, uh, that and laughs. That's kind of what I mean. <laughs> During the the parts of the last episode where we where we had to get get rid of your audio track, like it sucked that there wasn't just like the easy Jeff laugh anytime I made my I made any sort of like portmanteau or sound like joke. <laughs> um, but but no, I mean it's it's nice that often that with this way you are you come into the sh- to the show through a guy who's from out of town and he meets all these people and then you meet those people. And you get to see how they look at everyone else. Hmm. And then you meet another person. You can see how they look at everyone else. And it does vary. It's kind of the same thing that I was enjoying about Eccentric Family where you have these like vivid communities and you get to like, you get a really good sense of everyone's standpoints vis-a-vis each other and just get to see what's up with them. And I don't know. I We've talked a lot about Bacchano in the past. And like I personally like the really twisty plot and like the fucked up timeline stuff doesn't really do it for me at least in Bacchano I like it in other works uh and in this I'm glad that there's less of it it's a lot more character driven Mm. than Bacchano was (laughs) so okay I mean I'm sure there's gonna be twisty timeline shit but for now let me enjoy it John uh I'm not yeah I won't say much but (laughs) one thing is that do you think there are a lot of characters now oh boy I yeah. I mean, I'm I'm fine. I I I read big sprawling magical realism novels. I'm used to many generations of multi dozens of characters, so yeah. uh, I can handle it. Yeah, this... as long as they don't look, as long as they all don't look alike or have the same fucking hair, because you know <laughs> that's the problem in anime. Yeah, this this is one of my favorite animes. This is, this is of all time, um, and it's exactly because there are so many characters and so many plot lines, and they wrap it up so nicely at the end i think so anyway like they you all mean, you mean of the of the sequel series or of, every, of, of the whole series, series the entire series all of the seasons mm. um probably each season too but it usually ends on like a hey the, watch out there's some more stuff now i think <laughs> I, I, it's been so long since i watched them but i might want to watch them again now that talking about it i mean if, if it's anything to tell for me one of the most like cynical and crusted over anime people i know like it holds up it's good it's it once again something based on a novel that, <laughs> that just like feels like bigger although it's a light novel right Dra-ra-ra. um yeah i i but, love uh, the characters i love the style i love the music i love the setting i love it all it's such a mm-hmm. good show and you love the knife guy <laughs> i do love the knife guy uh because he's real fun knife guy strong guy knife guy strong guy motorcycle lady kelty yeah fake doctor guy there's, there's more um, more that show up that are good too van guy <laughs> uh oh yeah, yeah van squint, guy squint, van guy's good squinty squinty guy like mouth hat girl 
Um, <laughs> they're a couple kind of. I like them. They they seem like the. Uh, who is it? The uh, in uh, in Bacano, the two the two goof characters, the mechanicals, the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Yep. Um, it's like Yuria and Ma M something. You talking about like the the Americans or something or the two goofy people who like? I think I think do... that yeah, I think so. They're like uh, it's like a blonde... Isaac and Isaac and Miria. Yeah, 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 yeah. They are like I like that they that the two the two goofy members of the dollars. Um, that are obsessed with like going at late going late night and getting like day of releases for like manga and anime yep. video games um i like them too i like the whole i like the dollars gang i'm glad when i heard that there was like a secret online game I'm like oh fuck there's gonna be some some lane shit going on but it's not they're just like a goofy group of do-gooders and they may grow into something bigger or weirder or sadder but for now i'm just enjoying it it's, it's a nice place to live and it kind of sucked that i didn't have much time to watch more i was hoping to get halfway through but a third is all I can do this week. It's been busy. Uh, I love the dollars and how that goes. Love it all. Cool. I'm looking forward to it. Why don't I have that series on Blu-ray? Probably because it's expensive. Yeah. It's it's Anaplex. So no. that's, that's why. why you don't that's why I never will. It. Fuck Anaplex. Let me say it again. <laughs> Fuck Anaplex. Okay. Is it another situation where you can get streaming, but like a third of the series is just not there? I imagine so. They have a lot of OVAs. It was hard for me to find the... Uh, to find the OVAs for the sequel series because they are not um, very well subbed or distributed. Hmm. Uh, Crunchyroll okay. has it apparently. Yeah, so that, hmm. that's going to be a situation where half of it's missing. <laughs> Jeff said cynically. <laughs> you know they've got. I mean, <laughs> you know what's funny? Just... The seasons are Durarara and then Durarara X2 and then Durarara X2 the second arc and then Durarara X2 the third arc. Okay. Boo. Thanks. Boo. Thanks, anime. Show, call them Shoten and Ketsu, please. That's the best. Like, that's one of my favorite things about it is like referring to the, the three act dramatic structure. I refuse. <laughs> okay. Well, next episode, we will be talking about the end of the spring anime season and the beginning of the summer anime season. Uh, and in the meantime, rate, read, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Find us on Twitter at keyframespod find us on facebook search for keyframes podcast email us questions keyframespodcast at gmail.com and of course tell a friend and andy's not here yeah sweet. so we can just end there <laughs> without wasting another 30 seconds riffing on bullshit say goodbye everybody goodbye. <laughs> i love you all even you andy especially you